to the Beerly Hockey Podcast, Buckheads. Brought to you, as always, by Beerly Sports. I am your host, Phil Razor, and I am once again joined by the arsonist, Aaron Kenny, and the naughty Nate McBride. Aaron, we'll start with you. How are we doing tonight, and what are we drinking? Oh, I'm not doing too bad, buddy. I, uh... Had a little bit of a headache over the weekend, as we all did, with our audio issues on the most recent pod, but that's why we're here tonight. We are going to cover everything and more that we had planned on talking about Sunday and get into some crazy NHL action from last night as well. So I'm living it up over here. I am sipping on a hazy-hearted IPA from Bells. So Mm. we're sticking it with the Bells theme here again this week. Love it, boys. Love it. Nate, how are we doing? What are we drinking? I just want to point out the fact that Aaron Kenny just skipped over the fact that you called him an arsonist. Like, bro, this dude's just accusing you of setting shit on fire. Like, listen, bro, who doesn't like a little bit of fire play every once in a while? No, 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 no. He didn't call you pyro, Aaron. He called you arsonist, Aaron. Okay. Pyro is like putting a little bushfire out in your backyard. That ain't not, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You know, that is kind He's, of a steep he, accusation, Phil. Um, That's all I'm saying. Hey, man, saying. You know you, hey but you know what? We, there's no backtracking now. Hopefully, just, yeah. hopefully the insurance no, company that I just got that big claim from doesn't listen to this and uh, yeah. disregard it. I just alliterize you, buddy. So I'm, I mean, we can't go back on it now, but I'm just saying you skipped over it. Me, I am naughty. I know that. That's me. I'm I'm a naughty boy. Anyway, uh, I'm fucking doing great. I'm out here drinking a little Irish themed beer for the Irish themed month. Land Grant, make mine Irish. It is an Irish coffee stout. Uh, very you know roasty, sweet, sweet, rich. Honestly. A nice sipper tastes like a cup of coffee going down. It's dangerous. Erotic that for you. I'm just finishing off the bells too hard and super boring. But I do want to apologize to the listeners, guys. We we are our goal was to have two episodes a week starting this week. We will have two episodes a week starting next week. We're uh we're chopping up uh last Sunday's episode uh, one to technical difficulties, as Aaron said. But also we'll call it like a a spring game, a run through preseason whatever you want to call it we'll call it that we were definitely not used to doing two in a week but we've had a practice run and we are ready to fucking go boys and we have a lot hey real quick real quick before we get into it uh as we're recording today but i we're today the day that we're recording is international women's day um i figured it would just be worthwhile to recognize any of our female listeners um go ahead and get this at the beginning of the podcast and shout you guys out um, you know how you always see there's men working signs. Yeah. You know why there's no women working signs? Cause they don't feel the need to let everybody know when they're working like men do. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We all know plenty of women that work or love hockey and, uh, you know, we respect the hell out of you guys. Keep doing your thing. Whether you're working, if you're a fan, keep doing your thing as well. Keep being a big fan. Shout out to Manon Ramoy. Is it Ramey? I don't I'll make sure I say it right. The woman that played in the preseason for the Tampa Bay Lightning all those years ago. I believe it's Menon Rome. I thought it was Listeners, let me know. Menoir. You're – yeah, way, sailing played, one over me. She, she played 10D for the Lightning in the preseason. It was pretty pretty fucking badass. Um, she's still very much involved in the game of hockey. So, you know, she is one of many. Um, but, yeah, Nate, good shout out there. 
Uh, we have a lot to get into, and we're going to go back to finally the trade deadline fast. There was a lot going on, kind of an anticlimactic Friday, but we still had a lot of you know movement. It was more of a trade week and a half to two weeks, um, but they definitely stepped their game up, and Aaron, I'm going to throw it over to you because as if they needed to get better, Tyler Bertuzzi is a Boston Bruin. Dude, it... I can't believe how the Bruins just blew away the trade deadline here. I mean, it's a historic season for them. They're so goddamn good. Now they get another player who wasn't even going to be for sale until the Red Wings just got their dicks kicked in twice in a row by the Senators, punched them down pretty much out of the playoff race. Stevie Wise like, you know what? This guy's not re-signing here. Let's get a first-round draft pick. Sends him over to Boston for a top-10 protected first-round pick in 2024 and a fourth-round pick in the same draft. So, huge move by them. Uh, they really needed it, too, because their wing depth really took a hit as well. Uh, we've got Taylor Hall and Nick Felino both out indefinitely. Maybe through the end of the season, we're not sure yet. But they went out and got just an amazing bottom-six winger. He was playing, like, top-line minutes for the Red Wings, and... On the Bruins team, he's going to be like third, fourth line guy. He's got a ton of skill. He scored 20 goals before. I think he might have scored 30 before, too. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But, like, he's got a lot of finishing talent. He's an absolute fucking rat to play against. So, imagine him and Brad Marchand on the same team. Well, you don't fucking have to because it's happening. You are getting sticks all up in your nuts, all slashed across your face, illegally checked to the head every time you're touching the ice against this team now. So... They got real scary with that addition, and it just caps off a brilliant trade deadline season for them when added into the addition of Orlov and Hathaway that we already touched on the previous week. So yeah, go ahead and come up for air. Well, go ahead and come up for air, there, buddy. Nate, I was going to fire up, Nate. (laughs) Bertuzzi had thirty tucks, thirty-two apples last year. Nate, he doesn't tape the top top of his stick. On a scale of one to ten, how psychotic is that? Dude, Tyler Bertuzzi is a certified serial killer for that shit. <clears throat> certified serial killer. <clears throat> you know why? Because he's got a blunt force object now out there. I realize that he's got two blades on his fucking feet, and he's got a giant wooden hook on the end of that thing. But now he's got a blunt force end to just, I mean, absolutely ravage somebody's nuts or their fucking, just hit him right in the chest. Like, fuck him up. Absolutely stab him. Dude, you could He's gonna go full, He's gonna go full court Perry and start spearing guys in the nuts now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like he, and, and you know what? He's one of those guys where, you know, well, he's gonna sucker. He he's gonna he's gonna sucker you, okay? If you're looking at him and thinking about suckering him, you might as well do it because he's thinking about suckering you too. And he and he plays with that missing giblet up top too. So like every photo, he just looks like an absolute lunatic. Dude, he's a menace in all the certified for Boston. Certified serial killer. Certified serial killer. But you know what, man? Just like at, while we're on the fucking topic of, you know, the fucking Bruins, the cocaine bears, they're on a fucking 10 game. They were on a 10 game tear. Um, I, I'm not sure where they're at right now. I, I think last we last I looked at it, they were on their 10 game. Actually, they're still 10 0 and 0. So, yeah, still riding that fucking streak. Um, on they, and the, I think the biggest thing within that 10-game tear is the fact that they went undefeated on a Western Canada slash U.S. trip um, and won some gritty fucking games too, winning, beating Seattle 6-5, Vancouver 3-1, Edmonton 3-2, and Calgary 4-3. 
Um, I mean, it's just plain and simple. Boston is and always er, and has for a long time been a team that just wins those close and gritty games, the, you know, which is just crucial to, to do in the playoffs. You have to be able to win those kind of games because that's all you're going to see in the playoffs is gritty, grinding, low-scoring games. Dude, it, it's funny you mentioned that, Nate, too, because they will – I mean, they score gritty goals. They win tough games. And then you have, you know, Noshek who comes back off, you know, from having some time on the bench, getting scratched from being injured. And he has this, do you guys see that gorgeous shorthanded goal he had on Saturday against the Rags? I did not. I was watching the Sabres game at the time, but I okay. heard it was a beauty. Oh, it was, it was, abs- I'm like, dude, this, this guy's like on the kill and he's pulling moves that half the other franchises in the league. I don't even know if anybody on the team can pull that off. You're just like, this is unbelievable. And Aaron, now that you're, you know, making your dude, like, Boston, statistically, through their first 62 games, they've shattered like every record you possibly can. Most points at that time, blah, blah, blah. But can you break it down the numbers a little bit for us? So not only are they just racking up wins and points, but they're doing it in all areas, man. I mean, they're top 10 in every single statistical category. Goals four per game, 3.79. Second only to Edmonton, who, let's be honest, nobody's catching them. Goals against per game. 2.08, 2.08, first in the league. Power play percentage, 23.2%. Seventh, still pretty decent. They score enough five on five. They're not leaning on their power play that hard. PK, 86.6%. Big surprise, first in the league. Unreal PK numbers. Shots per game, 32.9, which is ninth in the league. Shots against per game, 29.7, which is eighth in the league. And the shots that do get through, they got a fucking brick wall in net to stop them. I mean, it, they're just... Everything is going their way this year. It really is, dude. It, I mean, and, and did you talk? Did you get into Linus Allmark at all? I have no, not, take, dude. Take it away. Yeah, yeah, dude. Because I mean, we I think we've practically sucked this dude enough throughout the entire year. But just gotta get into it here. His save percentage nine thirty eight, first amongst all starters in the NHL. Goals allowed, 1.89, first amongst all starters in the NHL. Wins, 32, first in the league. Goals saved or goals save above average, 38.15. First nine fucking goals higher, or, or first nine fucking goals higher than second place, Sorokin. Um, eight less games played. Yeah. Holy shit, The fact dude. that he's racked up nine more goals saved above average with – less games played than a guy who everyone's looking at as like this new Russian phenom. It's fucking it just, insane, it, dude. It means he's it means he's out here standing on his fucking head and spinning. Yeah. And yeah, dude. It, yeah. It's just like insane. he's like he's in a 90s fucking breakdance special. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Laid on the cardboard. He's, he's, yeah, he's he's just on a cardboard box out in front it, of uh, out in front of TD Garden just hanging out. And just saying, fucking, come on, keep pumping him by. I'm still gonna stop him. Doesn't matter. Yeah, totally. I'll be side. I'll be sideways. Kick that leg out backwards. You're fucking done, buddy. It's just crazy, dude. Like he came out of nowhere. I mean, he was a starter in Buffalo for a while. Put up decent save percentage behind a dog shit team, but he, no one in the world expected him to blow everybody out. To like do this. this. To yeah. do this. Yeah. In his first full season as a starter with a competent franchise, he is just like setting the fucking tone for goaltending this year it almost makes you wonder what would have happened if he would have been with a competent franchise for earlier on in his career absolutely yeah 
it's it's a two-way street like maybe those years just getting pumped in buffalo really hardened him to make him what he is now absolutely maybe maybe he would build character it's tough to say if he if he he hoists the uh if he hoists the cup this year i think it's very matthew stafford-esque would you guys agree with that uh yeah Yeah, i don't think he's been in the league long enough quite to compare but it's it's close i I wasn't trying to delve into the years and shit, but you know what I mean? It kind of feels like you're in this situation, you do all you can for so long, and then you finally get a new opportunity, a new outlook on life, and bam. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I the beautiful, yeah. Girl, the beautiful girl doesn't get asked to see in your prom, and you finally get to ask her, and you get to go. That's kind of what it feels like as Linus Allmark right now. Uh, I'm really pumped that his career is skyrocketed. Speaking of skyrocketing, let's talk about the Winnipeg Jets for a minute, shall we? Probably the most... Uh, small market of any NHL franchise. I don't think we talk about them quite enough. You guys, we should, have, we should ba- talk about based, them more. Just based on how they're performing, but they went out, guys. And they got Nino Niederreiter. Huge, like dude, huge. I feel like this dude's played everywhere, and he's going to be a breath of fresh air for the Jets because their offense has been anemic, emancipated. Any kind of word that says they're not being fed, and I like Josh Morris. He's severely underrated and is dead on in this i mean we can carlson has the betting odds but he's dead on in the top three race uh, for the norris trophy and he says it feels like they're trying to pass the puck into the net you know aaron how much can need rider really affect them and what do you think the ceiling for the regular season is so by the time it's all said and done for the winnipeg jets we've already seen a dramatic improvement i would say in a small sample size uh morrissey's quotes came on the tail end of a 12-game stretch where the Jets were just not able to score at all. They were averaging 1.91 goals per game over that 12-game span. So they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? we got to kickstart this offense. Rick Bonus called out the team. Didn't matter. Well, Kevin Sheveldayoff goes out. He was the first of a buying frenzy from the Nashville Predators when they decided, hey, we're not making the playoffs. Let's start selling assets. So they pick up Nino Niederreiter. In the three games since he's arrived, they're, or it's four now, sorry, they're averaging 4.25 goals per game now since Niederreiter got there. They've scored five, seven, three, and two. And just, like, it. He, he's got an assist, and then he scored his first goal of the season with him against the Sharks on Monday. And he just adds a totally different element because the Jets— So, yes. Yeah. They, they'd been a lot of, like— Pass the puck across the zone. We want to make fancy plays. We want to globe trot here. He's just a straight line, north south, get to the net player. He scores off the rush and he battles in front of the goal, and that's exactly what they've been missing. So I think they're sealing. This could launch them back into that race for the Western Conference since they didn't let themselves fall too far out before they got him. Yeah, Nate, they brought in another piece too, and this guy had a wild, wild turn of events. Everybody thinks Jonathan Quick had the uh, the crazy one. This guy had a crazy one too. From Tampa to San Jose to Winnipeg. What a wild yeah. Nemestikov. Yeah. Vladdy Vladdy Nemestikov. Uh dude. I mean, if you're him, it's like, thank fucking God, dude. <laughs> you didn't have to Oh man, he's sweating bullets like, oh shit, dude. Am I really about to play for a team that's in a rebuild? Like, for fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, saved by the bell, man. Um, and you know, Winnipeg gave up a 2025 fourth rounder, um, and he has one assist in two games in Winnipeg. I don't. Let's see if that's updated. Um, yeah, I checked it before the pod. 
Okay, so that's still that's still what he's riding on, just one assist in two games? Yep. Or three that's games? True. Yeah. Not, two not games. a big Yeah, It'll one take assist in two games. He's scoring a point every other game, which he's yeah. in the bottom six. You're not expecting a ton of production from him, but he, he's no, got the he'll... skill to chip in here every now and then while being a reliable bottom six guy. I put zero onus on two games worth of stats. <laughs> yeah, small samples. Way too small samples. I, I think we should yeah. look, though, at as we go down this list here, we've got so many guys who have already been scoring with their new teams, which it's just crazy. Like it, a lot of them, they get a shot in the arm once they get traded to a contender. But I mean, we're going to move down to a guy that got traded to Dallas. We've got all kinds near riders already scored for the jets. We, we've just got a lot of people fired up on these new teams. So take a look at these guys. When you're watching these games, anyone who was recently traded to a contender, Keep an eye on them to score or get some points. It's always great when the new guys can light the lamp and the team that does it better than anybody at the Edmonton Oilers, they go out and they, you know, first of all, the Oilers, we got to talk about Jack Campbell to start off, don't we? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the fact that he sucked, suck, sucky again. Um, six games in a row with a save percentage under 900. Uh, yikes. That's not bad, bro. At least on a Dead. positive on a positive note, at least Bukestad got to play his 600th game in Edmonton as opposed to Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, on a like that's good for him personally. Um, I yeah. guess you know you're finally well, out of that. You're finally out of that shit storm. Absolutely, he uh, came over from the Yotes from a fourth rounder, 2023. Um, good for him though. Scored in his debut last Friday against Winnipeg. So what did Aaron just say? What did I just say? Common theme. What did he just? What did he just say? Scoring a day, de- scoring a debuts, especially. I feel like Aaron. I think we talked about this yeah. um, a couple days ago, but yeah, scoring in debuts seems to be a real theme. Timo Meyer scored in his debut. Vladdy Tarasenko uh, a month ago with the Rangers. Yeah, we'll get to someone that didn't though. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get there. We're kind of we're kind of cocktees and everybody right now. Um, last point of the Oilers. Uh, yeah, the fact that Evander Kane uh, has been out since February 17th uh, with an upper body injury, so they really kind of need him back. Um, Derek Ryan currently sitting in his spot on McDavid's left wing, and boy, oh, that's a very McDonald's. big – That's a, or McDavid, what did I say, McDonald, McDavid? No, 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 I was going to make a joke, continue. Oh, okay, sorry. Well, um, dude, that's a big old hole left unfilled. Yeah, yeah. It, it is Connor McDavid, though. I mean, this guy, he scored two goals in five games in a row. Like, he did, who cares? You and I could skate on his fucking wings, bud. Like, it's. He had, he had two, and then he had two again on Tuesday night, too. Yeah, just out. He just doesn't stop. He really doesn't. Yeah. He's he's invigorated too. He's got that big addition with uh, Matthias Ekholm on defense. He's like, fuck yeah, finally these goals aren't just going to be negated as soon as I get off the ice when the other team goes down and scores. Nick Bukesat also is a nice addition because he gives him another right-handed face-off guy. Derek Ryan is the only other guy that takes right-handed face-offs for the Edmonton Oilers. So yeah, now that I about it holy shit yeah, everyone God, on that dude. team's left-handed. So you get a key draw in your own zone at the end of a game. You're back down your own end. Ryan's been out there forever. You can throw Bukestad out there and count on him to win that thing back to the corner, you know, over 50% of the time. He's a pretty decent face-off guy. I can't believe we haven't asked for a sponsorship for McDonald's yet, considering that with the Oilers, we talk about McDavid and the filet wrist. 
That's pretty, true. pretty Okay, here, wild conspiracy here. But if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets, would you offer Johnny Gaudreau for fucking Connor McDavid? Dude, send send him back to fucking Alberta. Why are I we? Would, even I would offer him? Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Laine, Elvis Merzlikins, <laughs> three first round draft. I don't uh, give a fuck, man. That's all I had. That's that's it. We're done. Yeah. Go on to oh the next God. topic. Nate, you're out. Of, Nate, you're out of your mind. Connor McDavid's a superstar, but you know what he's not is a Dallas star. And they went out and got Max fucking Domi, who I feel like has played for half the teams in the NHL by now. But Aaron. Max Domi is a Dallas star. Dude, I love this addition by Dallas. Max Domi is the perfect guy to slot into your middle six and play him on a line that will produce offense when you've got your good defensive guys out there. Like, you have him out on the ice with Haskinen, it you're fine. He can't defend for shit, but he is a good playmaker. He's a great passer. He's got a little bit of rat in him, too. He's not afraid to rough it up after the whistle. He's... Right now, playing with Tyler Sagan, and those two guys have already kind of started to click. Um, we've got Sagan scoring two games ago. Domi just scored in his most recent game, and they're looking like a dangerous three-line team now. They've got three scoring lines between those guys, Jamie Benn and Wyatt Johnson, and then you got the big boys up top with Pavelski, Robertson, and Hintz. So I, I really like these depth additions for the Dallas Stars. And don't forget, they also added Evgeny Donadov uh, last week, too. So, big, big moves by them. Um, I would have liked to maybe see them add another kind of offensive specialist on the blue line. But, really, it, you, they've done enough to really have a shot to win the West here this year. Dude, the, I mean, the Stars are just clicking right now. And that's dangerous, especially if you're Winnipeg and you're looking and you've got Dallas looking up at you and the moves they made. I mean, it's a good thing that Winnipeg's matched some of those moves yeah. to do something. Yeah. Dallas is looking if, down at them now too, though. Cause like Winnipeg, they had that five game losing streak, man. They dropped all the way down to a wild card spot before finally winning one. Oh shit. It, oh shit. But, I'm, I yeah. Mean, it, it's Bro. crazy. I'm, I, I fell asleep at the wheel there. Jeez. I've been watching Dallas the last two games they played, and Saturday they absolutely eviscerated Colorado 7-3, to and we'll get into the abs in a little bit. Um, but the game I also kind of wanted to throw out there, and we, we can touch on it later too, but their game on Monday night was insane. And they keep, they keep going up and down, but it'll be interesting to see the goal they gave up to Toffoli was 6.2 seconds left on Monday night where they were destined for minimum a point and they get none. We'll see if that come back, you know, comes back to bite them down the line. Um, shout out to Joe Pavelski for breaking an 18 game goalless streak. Joe, Joe's getting a little older, so I'll give him a pass for going on a goalless drought a little bit at his age. The one that finally snapped, which needed to, and this guy, man, stars fans have a lot of expectations for him and he hasn't hit on it this year, but Nobody had to be happier than Mason Marchman for breaking a 32-game goalless drought. Yeah, everybody was getting in on it against Colorado there, man. And there's no better team to get your confidence back against than the defending Stanley Cup champs. It's not like they just went out and pumped Anaheim like, okay, whatever. It was point night for everybody. Like, No, they went out and just pumped Colorado, and that has got to be a great yeah. feeling. Just looking it, it at the West wasn't... right now, too, guys, like – from the very top spot in the West, which is Vegas, at 82 points, they're tied with LA, down to Wild Card 2, which is Winnipeg, there's only seven points separating every single playoff team from the top to the bottom. 
in the Western Conference. It is just wide open right now. It's anybody's division or conference. And, and real quick, and real quick, dude, I just I was actually just looking at that, Aaron. I was looking at you know what's going on out in the West, and can I point your attention to the fact that Seattle has won five in a row and Los Angeles has won four in a row. I, all I'm, I'm, I'm looking at both of them right there. Seattle's won their last five, and well, LA's won their last four. Yeah, I, and oh, another thing that I noticed here too, do you know Seattle's twenty one nine and three on the road? They're road warriors, dude. It's they crazy. are insane on the road. Holy shit! I think they were. The I'd almost, team I would almost. I would almost want at home. I would almost want to be. I would almost want to be the fucking away team in that series. You want like you want like I like I would like if I'm LA I'm like fuck I'd almost rather be the three and let Seattle be the two. What do you think, Phil? I think anybody can win the West, but it, Seattle can be all the road warriors they want. That's a cross country flight to anyone contending out of the East. Good yep, Good but that's a that's also a cross country flight coming back too. Yeah. Yeah, but when you're coming back, you're playing at like 10 p.m. Your body times, so your adrenaline's still high. That's not. I don't view that as much as much of a disadvantage as I would if you're Seattle that has to fly out east and play at like five, five thirty. I feel like that's a much bigger disadvantage to play earlier in the day your body time than it is to play later in the day your body time. At that stage, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe that's I think just... it just depends on the person. You got your early birds and your night owls. We'll find out this year. Yeah, we'll find we'll, out this year. We'll figure yeah, it out. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's so crazy out in the West, too. And I have a couple. Do you guys want to wait to the end or do you want me to bring up my other con, like Western Division question for you guys now? Go for uh, it. Let's get, while we're on it, let's roll it. My question is, the Preds are six points back at the Jets with three games in hand. Can the Preds catch the Jets? Simple question. No. No. Okay. Unit. Wow, that love that unanimous and in unison. No, no, no. no problem. I just thought it was interesting. I was looking at the standings and I'm like, it's not like they even need chips to fall. If they win all their games, they're even on points. So I, yeah. you're you're I you're missing can with all the sell off that they did. Like they sold their good and, players, and everyone else is hurt. And yeah, Forsberg's out. Fucking Johansson's. Johansson can't do a damn thing, or he's out too. Got, Nashville got circumcised. They had their Forsberg cut off. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I think that's what led to the sell-off because they got rid of Ekholm and Niederreiter right after that. It, it, it's true. Um, speaking of defensemen heading the other way, Wild, you mentioned that Dallas could have used a you know offensive blue line. Well, there's a guy that spent a lot of his career there, and now he's in Minnesota. Klingberg is a part of the Minnesota Wild. That's wild, right. and they made some wild moves, including sending Greenway to Buffalo, which. Okay, you know, I, I get it. Change of scenery. Who do they bring in, Aaron? Jog my memory. I'm blanking on the name. Uh, God, I'm blanking too. Was it Oscar Sundquist? I think it was Oscar yes, Sundquist. Yes, thank you. It was Oscar Sundquist. Yeah. So they basically brought in another version of Greenway. It's like, okay. And then they went out and got Klingberg, and you're like, okay, let's see, let's see what happens, Minnesota. Yeah, boy. I mean, you're taking a big gamble here. Uh, I I like the move. I I think it's it. I think it could definitely be a shot in the arm to this franchise. Um, hopefully, it's a shot in the arm for him too. Um, to be on a team that is in you know second place now in the you know second or in the central. So, 
I'd be I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, I'd be pretty happy to be him as well. I um Yeah, I don't know. What do you what are you thinking, Aaron? Dude, I I'm sure Klingberg's thrilled to be over there. I don't know what they were thinking here though, because like all he does is bump Kalen Addison out of the lineup. It it doesn't make any sense to me because like you already had an offensive specialist who is playing on your third pairing and running the power play. Do we really think Klingberg's that big of an upgrade from him? I mean, he does have more experience. There's no arguing that. But I I just don't really understand the thought process here when you could have brought in, you know, anyone up front. You could have brought in anybody down the middle. There We saw guys like Lars Eller, which I, I'm not saying there's anybody here who's like a top-line center, like needle mover, but guys who have had a lot of experience producing in the playoffs at center ice that Minnesota does not have a ton of depth at right now. So it's it's kind of a head-scratcher for me. Now you got Addison just riding the bench. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but, I mean, we'll see how it works out for them. Right now they're just an unders machine, dude. They're they're winning games one nothing or two one almost every night. It's insane. They're this year's Islanders right now. It and it's crazy because they were scoring like five six goals a game earlier this season. Yeah, oh, I remember that. Then they lose the game like nine eight, eight uh, seven. Something no, right? that was that was a Kraken, but they they lost like six five or seven six to Buffalo earlier in the year. Yeah, that, maybe that's what I'm thinking of then. Yeah, it's. It's just kind of what the Greenway move. I kind of understand like his development had stalled. He still had term left on his contract. I think he was making like 3 million bucks a year. Oscar Sundquist. He's in the last year of a deal that's paying him uh, 2.75 per year. So you shave up just a little bit of that cap and you make sure that it expires after next year when those, uh, those buyouts really come and bite you. So you help your cap situation a little bit that way, and you just get change of scenery guy. You know, Sunquist has shown some scoring prowess in the past. Minnesota has a lot of good defensive forwards who can't score very much, and that's exactly what Greenway was. So I, I kind of like the move there for them. And Greenway has already got his first as a Sabre. So, yeah. you know, it's already, you know, the change of scenery has already proven, you know, beneficial for him too. So. Guys, wild stat right now. Everybody in the Central, except for the St. Louis Blues, who are on a two-game losing streak, are on a single-game streak, whether it's a W or an L. They don't care. They don't ask how. They ask how many. That's just wild to me, like how balanced that is. And Minnesota, Minnie's 8-0-2. And I'll pose another question to the boys. Abs, two games in hand, three points back of the wild. How long does it take to catch them? It depends on when they get Gabe Landeskog back, bro. This guy was yeah. supposed to be back like a month ago. And I, I don't know what the holdup is. I really hope he's doing okay and can get back by the time the playoffs start for them. But they're just like, they're not nearly as consistent or deep as they seemed last year. They missed Kadri as a second-line center. They missed Gabe yeah. Landeskog. I mean, those guys were big, big-time players for them last season. And without them, they're they're doing okay. They're going to be in the playoffs. But it's just I don't, it's not I don't nearly know as consistent as they were last year. And I don't see them making it to a cup final. I, I think even if they get Landeskog back, I think it's going to be a struggle for them to get back to a cup final. Yeah, Ooh. it it's tough, man. If they're firing on all cylinders come playoffs, 
hard to bet against them given how wide open it is out there. They just need one of these centers to step up because everybody in the West has good center depth. If you don't have anybody to step up behind Nathan McKinnon, you're you're going to get caved in in those line matchups. Like you can't throw fucking Evan Rodriguez or you know, who's the other young guy that they have that they've been filling in there? I'm blanking on his name. Um, down, they're about down the spine. Yeah, down the spine. Let me. Yeah, why am I? Why am I? I know. Why are we? We've talked about this guy a ton. Is, are you talking about Newhook? Yeah, Alex Newhook. Alex Newhook. They also, Evan Rodriguez. They also went out and got Lars Eller. They have Lars Eller now too. Yeah, I I do like that move for them. That gives them. Yeah, that was, I forgot about. I forgot about the Lars Eller move. That's a big one for them. But he's still not like a second line production center. It, you need somebody who can go toe to toe with you know Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, Philip Deneau. You need someone who can take those matchups when Nathan McKinnon's not on the ice, and they they just need one of those guys to step up, which it could easily happen. I'm just saying it's it's a gamble still. When it'd be a lot better, it, it'd be a lot yeah, and it'd be a lot better if you had Landeskog too. Exactly, you could put him down that there, let him take some of that heat that off. Yeah, that'd solve a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. The East, we kind of have an idea of what we're looking at at the top, especially in the Atlantic. But in the Metropolitan and those two wild card spots, wild. It's it's going to be a wild race to the finish. And the Pittsburgh Penguins went out and brought back an old friend, got us won a couple of cups with them. I would say he was a very big contributor to how they won those cups. Very, very timely scoring, always in the right place at the right time, Nick Benino. Yeah. 14th season in the NHL right now. And, you know, their bottom six has been bad all year. He's going to come in there, his crazy bald ass. Um, you know, they're going to put him right there on the third line. He's been playing there. He also helps out on special teams. So, Aaron, how do you rate the Nick Benino deal? I, it's okay. I like that they made some changes in their bottom six. I don't think that they did nearly enough to address their issues, though. Like, Nick Benito is a great penalty killer. He maybe can help on the power play a little bit. He's he's not playing there yet. Um, their power play is not very good this year, so maybe throw him in the mix. But it's, it's going to take a lot more than just him to really step this team up. What they really need is for Mikhail Granlin to do something for him because... They took on a lot of fucking salary to bring that guy in. They shipped out Teddy Bluger. They got rid of Brock McGinn, guys that weren't really moving the needle at all. And it, they just they shook up that bottom six, and I have yet to see real results. They did come back and beat the Blue Jackets in a wild one last night, but, I mean, that wasn't the bottom six. That was just, you know, Pittsburgh dominance over Columbus for since the beginning of time. It, I don't know. I The jury's still out for me. Uh, let's say Long story short, jury's still out. I, I mean, I I don't know what who their competition is. I mean, I'll tell you, Florida's starting to come back into form a little bit here. The Panthers, they're they're on a two gamer, so you know, keep an eye, see if they can keep that up. But right now, I mean, it sucks, but you're you know, the fucking Sabers are on a two game skid. And that's put them, you know, back at 68 points. You know, they're sitting three spots or three games, or I'm sorry, you know, five points out of a playoff spot. Dude, you know who I'm looking at? 
the fucking, math is tough. The Ottawa Senators, bro. They just finished a five-game win streak. They ended up laying an egg in Chicago. I mean that that shit happens sometimes. But they are eight three and one in their last twelve games. They're scoring like crazy. Claude Giroux catching on fire. They just added Jacob Chikrin, who is a huge, huge part of their blue line now. As long as he can stay mm-hmm. healthy, I'm I'm looking for either one of the Sabers or the Senators to come take that spot from him. To be completely honest, because uh, Pittsburgh just, I mean, they're a good veteran team, but they, I just don't see them hanging on to that with these other teams charging below them. I'm I'm sorry, I just really don't. I'm going to play devil's advocate here, guys. I don't think it's the Penguins they're chasing. I think it's yeah, the Penguins. Yes. I think, it's I, think the Pen- I think the – and Penguins fans are going to be mad, and they should be. They go out and bring back Benino. They get uh, Kulikov, who's like 32 as well. He's in like his 13th year in the NHL. And – they feel like they should all be rubbing Jarrett on each other watching Murder, She Wrote, based on how old they are in that locker room. But that being said, you think Sydney and Evgeny Malkin are looking at each other going, probably our last chance at a cup right now? They're not going to let it go. They're going to make playoffs. They're chasing the Islanders, who, with a neutered Bo Horvat, and I say that because of his lack of beard. Fuck you, Lula Amarillo. Dude, he looks um, so soft without a beard. I'm sorry, Bo. You got to talk him into letting him throw that thing back. Ten ply, bud. It's absolutely tragic. Um, I don't think the Sabres and the Senators are chasing Pittsburgh. I think they're chasing the New York Islanders. I, I do think they have a better chance of passing the Islanders, but I could see them both passing both teams, to be honest. It's... I mean, Tristan Jerry gets pulled by allowing four goals to fucking Columbus, who's not good last night. He's been injured sometimes, inconsistent other times. Casey DeSmith has been okay, not great. I mean, their goaltending yeah. kind of scares me, too. Their bottom six and their goaltending are both, like... They're scary. going out in the first round no matter what. If they're wild card two, Boston Boston tags them in four, maybe five. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally if they're If that. they're wild card one, Carolina tags them in five. God, can you imagine Brian Dumoulin fumble fucking that puck in his own end against that Canes forecheck? Oh, dude, you're game over. Yeah, not happening. Game over. No, absolutely, absolutely not. So, um, one more quick note on the Pittsburgh Penguins where we hop down to a more enticing matchup. Uh, Teddy Bluger got sent to Vegas for a third rounder as well. So Brock McGinn was also a part of the uh, you know the guys that got sent down. Sent down, they got waved. Um, he was a part of the trade to the Ducks for Kulikov. So everybody finding new homes right now. Um, they did bring in Mikhail Granlund, by the way. I thought it was kind of cool, too. Like, what was it, like eight days ago, I guess, at this point. Fuck you, technical difficulties. Um, that was a nice move, in, too. That they, was... did bring, they bring in Mikhail Granlund, who played on Tuesday against them with Nashville and then played on Thursday against nashville for them so i thought that was kind of cool you know yeah dude granlin just i i'm sorry man he does not move the needle for me he could step up and be good i just like that was a big fucking it it felt like it didn't didn't cost a lot it didn't cost you a lot it cost you a second rounder you know what it did cost him though 
$5 million of cap space for the next three seasons. That's how much that guy costs. And they're going to be making money moves. They're going to be making money moves in the, in the off season. It's dude. Come on, man. moves are they making though, dude? Like all they did was just anchor themselves. You can't cutting, cutting salary. How are they going to cut salary though? Is my question. Like you have a lot of guys who don't have a lot of value and are overpaid. I'm also I'm also saying that you know Mikhail Granlund is a guy that I think could go into a system like Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's one of those teams where guys go in and then all of a sudden they start playing to their actual potential. Um, Maybe I we're, we're both talking about the Penguins, right, Aaron? Yeah, yeah, dude. They're they're going to move Evgeny Malkin in the summer. They're so, not going to move Evgeny Malkin. They just had to beg him to resign there. Doesn't matter. Some dumbass will take him, I promise. They're not... Okay, uh, listen to this, though. You're saying move Evgeny Malkin to keep Mikhail Granlund? No, I'm saying they're going to move Evgeny Malkin to sign, like, three other players they need for depth. But, like, why bring in Granlund, then, if it's going to make you move Malkin? To give it the one last run at the cup, because they know that that... What, what is it called when you flip it upside down, the sand? The hourglass? The hourglass. Thank you. I couldn't think. Damn, girl, we got an hourglass. Happy International Women's Day. Um, the hourglass is almost out of sand. Very, yeah. very, oh, yeah. very close. Oh, yeah. That thing that thing looking low, baby. It's very close. That's what I mean, Aaron. I, I get that, but one... like, don't you want – if your hourglass is almost out of sand, why are you trading away a point-per-game center who's had success with this group before – to keep a bottom six guy that you just traded for and locked yourself in at $5 million who has 29 fucking assists this year and nine goals. Because they've seen what the mountaintop looks like and they want it one more time. That's why. I, That's I only- understand that. I'm just saying, how do you get there when you're moving one of the guys that has got you there every time? I know. I'm saying they'll move him after the season. This, this season is their last shebang. He's talking about the here and the now, baby. I'm not talking, talking about, about right here, right now. I'm not, not 2024. Not, not 2024. Even, even this year, though, $5 million, you could fit way different players in there that could give you more production than Grandland. I agree with you. I'm saying that's why they, they, they went out and said, we have the guys that'll run them up. We need a couple guys that'll fill them in. It's exactly what they did. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll have to get back to this once we get to the the previews because we can go around and around on it. I just the move makes zero sense to me. I think there were and way better totally, moves to be made. I'm not I'm not defending the move. I'm just saying why I think they did it. Yeah, I think I think honestly, Ron Hexall was just like, you know what, my fucking hands are tied. This team's not doing well. Everybody else has already got the good valuable pieces. I just got to do fucking something so it looks like I'm trying. And he just fucked himself by doing that. He made a panic move, and it's. I think it's going to sink him. I, I feel like a lot of Penguins fans want to cut his head off, but there is one head that will remain, and it's the fucking goat head. I said it on Saturday. I tweeted it out. No way the Buffalo Sabres are losing in the goat head today. And Aaron, what did they do? Dude, they went out and pumped Tampa is what they fucking did. Holy hell, what a game that was. Uh, you had... Well, first, let's let's give one positive for Tampa, okay? Their new guy Ooh. they traded every fucking draft pick till the end of time for, Tanner Janot. He had a hell of a fight 
and put Riley Stillman to sleep with an uppercut from hell. Uh, you can see his soul leave his body. Yeah, dude. He ended him. But he didn't end the Sabres because the Sabres pumped five goals past Brian Elliott. They were kicking the shit out of Tampa so bad that John Cooper benched his top line for the entire third period. I mean, it was just, it was all Nate Buffalo's was so over. bricked up watching Tampa struggle. What's that? The Nate was so bricked up watching Tampa struggle. Oh, yeah, dude. It was amazing. I, I loved oh, it. Oh, it was Nate great. Loved. Absolutely. I live for that shit. Tampa? Not for us. Suck it, Trev. Guys, if you are a Tampa Bay Lightning fan and you support Trev at Trev Beerly and his Lightning fandom, let us know on Twitter at Beerly Hockey. We are all anti-Lightning people pretty much as Blue Jackets fans. You're like the – Tampa's like the fifth best city in Florida. Yeah, I mean, you know, lay it on him, Nate. How do you really feel? I mean – you're fucking mid, dog. Like that's all. <laughs> that's that's it. You, Tampa's fucking mids. You're fucking mids, dog. You're fucking mids, dog. Dude, Aaron, I'm with you, man. Ben- benching the top I- three. The fight was good. Tampa will be fine. But it was a brutal weekend, my friend, because it didn't just stop on Saturday. On Sunday, they turned around and got absolutely shit pumped. But That's the real yeah. So if, yeah, so if the Buffalo game was a pumping. This was a fucking shit pumping. Dude, Tampa became the first team all season to not have a shot on goal during an entire period. Through the first two periods of that game, they had four shots on goal. That was absolutely wow. insane. And that's after they got embarrassed the day before by the Sabers and the top line got benched. Like you'd think they'd wake the fuck up. No, they got worse after that. Like yeah. in what fucking world? They got absolutely waxed 6 nothing. Nate, did you have any thoughts on that game? Because that was ridiculous. Dude, I, I mean, like, where was the effort? That's all you got to say. Like, where was the fucking effort? Because it was like everything got and, – and everything got in the net. Everything. And when and let's be honest. When, it, when you see one, two, three go in, you're like, oh, shit, this ain't good. Four, five, oh, shit. And we still haven't put anything in. Six. God damn it. This game's done. Fuck this. Well, and like, I mean, you've got four shots on goal through two periods. At the end of the second, you at least got to be like, you know, I'm at center ice. Let me just send one in to fucking make sure he's not asleep in there. You know, it's that is (laughs) you get fucking pucks to the net, man. It's not you can take bad angle shots and get them towards the net. If you just don't have shots at all, at least make them fucking work a little bit, you know? Tendy's over there fucking yanking one just while he's waiting for something to happen. I would say that game for the Tampa Bay Lightning was the most sober bachelor party of all time. Way too few shots, boys. And, dude, and then just to, like, and sorry, before we continue on with the Canes, because they're the real, I think, the real topic here, um, to kind of just, after that weekend, then you just get a nice little kick in the groin. Or after that kick in the groin weekend, Corey Perry gets fucking speared in his McNuggets by Tony D'Angelo on Tuesday night. I wasn't even mad about it. Like normally, I'm like, oh, it's so dirty, but it's Corey Perry, so I was like, eh. I know. That's why I, I honestly laughed at it. <laughs> I loved it, and I'm and Tony and Tony gets a two game sussy, so eh, worth it. Dude. Fuck you, Corey Perry. Remember when Corey Perry had to make like that five mile walk when he got thrown out of the oh, winter yeah, class? Dude. Yes, the best thing ever. The ultimate walk of shame. Like college walk of shames aren't that long and that degrading. 
like that exactly was, in front of a hundred thousand fans. Oh my god, dude! It, it just so, it was so, so funny, but yeah, it it couldn't happen to a better guy, you know. D'Angelo's like, I don't fucking care. D'Angelo's not no no saying himself. Yeah, that's that's some rat on rat violence right there. Absolutely, that's why that's why you know it's like no harm a New no York foul. Subway special. Oh yeah, yeah. Little Subway special for the boys. Guys, before we hop uh, to the next topic, I do want to say on the topic of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, they're four points ahead right now, 92 points in total. Can they be caught, or do you think they're going to do enough to hold on and win the Metro? I think they're I think they're fine. Um, Jersey's, Jersey's doing all right. They're, they're managing. Jersey's pretty they're, good, dude. I know they are, but I, but I think Carolina's just – Bet. I think Carolina is going to be able to do enough to hold on to that spot. I think it's going to be status quo and what's going on in the Metro. Yeah, I. it's 50-50 for me. I mean, I like Carolina. I think they're the best, most complete team. But New Jersey, man, they're on a fucking heater too, dude. Like, they just added in Timo Meyer. They're 6-2-1 and one in their last nine games. They're flying up. If – Carolina hits a speed bump, then it's possible. But I, I think the Canes probably do just eke it out. But it's Carolina right down to Carolina's the last game eight, or two. Carolina's eight two and zero in their last ten. Yeah, I mean, and they're and they're on a three game and they're on a three gamer. And while meanwhile, meanwhile, Jersey just lost last night. Yeah, in a in a fucking like heartbreaker too. Like they they had that game. Jersey had that game. They were up three two with. I think it was about four minutes left. And then all of a sudden Tyler Bunting puts one in. And then a minute and a half later, uh, Tyler or uh, Austin Matthews puts in the fucking game winner. Jersey couldn't do anything. Pulled their goalie. That's a tough way to lose, man. It is a tough way to lose. Uh, Yeah. Tough game. Tough game for him. Um, Honestly. And then let's talk about real quick, you know, staying in the Metro the New York Rangers um, kind of just hanging on there in third. Unfortunately, Patty Kane, no points through two games as a Ranger. Um, kind of seems like he's trying to force everything across the ice to Panarin instead of relying on the system as a whole. Uh, again, I think this goes back to my comment of Gerard Gallant is a professional dumbass, and it does take him a little bit of time to figure out how to use something he get he got a shiny new toy, but he has to read the instruction manual first. I I like how you've milked that out there, Nate. That's a good spin zone by you, but I think it's totally fine. I don't think it's Gerard Glenn at all. I think it's Patrick Kane just looking for the one guy he's familiar with on that roster, and they've been against some tough fucking competition too. They caught Ottawa in the middle of that heater on Derek Brassard one thousand game night. Who he ended up scoring two goals against them. And they then go into Boston, who just can't be fucking stopped by anybody. So I'm, Patrick I'm gonna Kane, get New York I think he's going to figure it out. He's he's just taking a little bit to get acclimated. He's used to playing hero puck in Chicago, man. He's used to like him and Max Domi being the only fucking people who can do anything and not. Like, yeah, he's got to remember. He's got to remember what it's like to have a competent offensive system yeah. and guys that can actually perform around him he hasn't he had it for just, a few like, years catch his fucking passes like if he's like skating into the zone he wants to drop a fucking drop pass back to his d who's trailing him he can do that now 
he doesn't have to worry about it just getting fucking flubbed and going the other way. So he'll he'll figure it out, I think. Will he figure it out? I think. Stay tuned to find. Stay, stay tuned to find out. Figure it out. Give your balls a tug, tit fucker. Um. Okay, so we've pretty much touched on every major trade, and as I joked earlier, Patty Kane's the only one that feels like he hasn't done anything yet. He's taken a lot of shots, but nothing has, you know, come of it yet. I got one Aaron. more trade to hit here, Phil. All right. If you don't mind. Lay, um, Lay it team, on me, stud muffin. The team that we just talked about, Carolina, they brought in fucking yeah. Shane Gostaspare, which yeah. I think is a great addition to them. That provides some additional offense from the blue line right behind Brent Burns. This guy yeah. ripped it out of the gate. Scored in his first game with Carolina. In his second game against Tampa, that shit pumping we just talked about, one goal, two assists. He's got four points in his first two games. Held off the score sheet against Montreal. That's kind of a surprising development there. But the whole Canes team kind of turned in a clunker on that one. So, But, yeah, man, I'm I'm really impressed with that addition. I think he's going to look really good in Carolina. Yeah, I like that as well. They play the uh, the Flyers next, too. I think you'll have a little little fun with that one. Oh, yeah. they, they have them in the next 10 games. Not an easy next 10, though, for the Canes, now that we're on that topic. I pulled up their, their schedule. They got the Flyers uh, tonight. And then they got the they got the Golden Knights at home that should favor them. Then they go to New Jersey on Sunday night, boys. That'll be a fun one to watch. We'll be that'll be a great one. Oh yeah, we'll be recording during that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Then the uh, the Winnipeg Jets come to town. Ooh. Then, they to, then they go to Toronto. That'll be a fun one. Jesus. Uh, yep. And then they then they turn around and go to Philly. Then they get the Rags back to back, but with a day in between. Jesus. Um, and the rags and they own the, them. Oh, and then they get the Leafs at home and the Bees at home. That My God, dude. Put up or shut up time for the Carolina Hurricanes. No doubt. Yeah, holy shit. What a way to end out your season. Like, that, that is a... That's just March. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's... Fuck, dude. That is... You better hope that you get a couple cupcakes coming in to end out the year. Oh. Get a get a get a nice Blue Jackets game in there. Maybe throw in a little Detroit game. You know, they end the season with <laughs> the Lightning at home, then the Red Wings, then they go to Montreal, then the Isles, then the Sens all at home. Then they're in Nashville, in Buffalo, in Ottawa, home to Detroit, in at Florida. They have like two easy games the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully they don't blow no. their load down the stretch and then not have the energy in playoffs like we saw last year. Yeah, yeah, no. man. You're in a position where, man, just getting to overtime is all right, but that's a lot of that's a lot of hockey to be playing. Sure is, it sure is. And you know, they obviously we talked about they went out and got Ghost Bear, which is nice, one of the best nicknames in the league, in my opinion. Aaron, there were other moves that were made at the deadline, and do you have any final thoughts on those moves or lack of moves? I I think a lot of people were expecting a big offensive addition. They were in on Timo Meyer, but ultimately did not want to give up what San Jose was asking for him. Uh they're just they've got something that works here, man. They're they're putting their faith in their guys. They made a couple small additions. They added Goss to spare. They also brought in uh Pulley Yarvey from the Oilers, which we talked about uh here recently. Yep. It's I I like their moves. I they could have done more, but 
I don't hate where they're at right now. I think everyone on that roster is playing really well. They've got a great system. Everybody's bought in. They've got the kind of guys that Rod Brindamore is going to be able to use, and I, I think it's going to go well for them as long as they don't run out of gas here with this gauntlet they got coming up. Oh, ridiculous. What about the rest of the league, man? What do you got? Um, Honestly, dude, uh, the only crazy thing to me, which we've got some stuff on Philly coming up here, uh, they didn't do shit, man. They, they could not sell James Van Riemsdyk to save their lives. Nobody fucking wanted him except for Detroit for like five seconds, and then they were like, no, sorry, right before the deadline and left him hanging. They Chuck Fletcher just was unable to do fucking anything to shake up this roster, and I, I think that he's got like one last shot to make some changes in the offseason before he's gone. Oh, they better have a massive offseason. Uh they they need it. Yeah. They need one. They had a town hall with their with their fans. Yeah, they were just ripping these guys apart too. Very hot uh Kevin Hayes to Columbus rumors right now. Yeah, I've heard that. Wait, but before we get into that, what was everyone's biggest surprise of the deadline? I would say. Ooh. Let's let's kind of just go around like what what was everyone the most surprised about? Um I just said mine, James Van Riemsdyk. I think that's fucking crazy that they weren't able to find a way to move him. I also think the Calgary Flames, like, they were just some limp fucking dicks at this deadline, dude. They've been playing like limp dicks the last, you know, two, three months. Because they are limp dicks. They are limp dicks. All they do is shoot from the outside. They can't get to the dangerous areas. They could have brought in somebody like a Nino Niederreiter, like a fucking, I don't know, uh, Mikhail Granlin. He's good at shit like that, too. It, guys who can get to the middle of the ice— and disrupt and like open things up a little so you're not just a shooting gallery from the fucking walls in the blue line uh, calgary they made a bunch of offseason moves and the shit's not working out for them so i'm really surprised all they did was trade fucking uh they they brought troy stetcher in and they traded a couple brothers nick ritchie and brett ritchie so that's kind of that, that's unique first time brothers have been traded in the league but yeah the flames are limp dicks man i can't believe they didn't do anything I thought the Caps gave up pretty early. Caps did give up early. The Caps giving up early was bizarre to me. Uh, I don't really understand. I, I get it from a our, our decor has been injured all year. We've had some so-so tendy play. You still have the great eight out there, but I just I, I thought they gave up. You know. A little too early. Sent Lars Zeller out. You know, I don't know. Sent Hathaway out. Brought in Craig Smith from Boston, which, eh. The, the only reason they brought him in was to get that first-round pick for Orlov and Hathaway. Boston yeah. wasn't doing that unless they could clear out Craig Smith's cap, so they basically just ate it for him. But yeah. remember, when that trade went down, Ovechkin had been away from the team for a while, mourning the death of his father, which, like, that's— 100% his right. Like, it, I don't blame him at all for doing that, but they were in a slide, man. They just, they weren't looking good. It it was put up or shut up time. The, even if they did get in, they were going to get fucking steamrolled by Boston or Carolina. I don't hate this move by Brian McClellan to recoup some assets. You weren't going to be able to re-sign Orlov anyway. Get a first-round pick. Get some other assets. Go back at it again next year because you still got Ovechkin under contract for a little while. I yeah I, I think it's a good little reload year for them. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, they they were in until the trade deadline. Their fans won't be too butthurt about it. 
Nate, what about you? Boy, I don't know, man. I think there's a couple of them that that kind of get it for me. I think the fact, uh, I think Minnesota's moves kind of surprise me. Um, I think, you know, they're a team that I didn't think they'd make any moves unless they thought it was truly making them better. And I don't really think they, I mean, I think their moves are just kind of suspect. I'm not sure they really did that. So it's still kind of up in the air for me with Minnesota. Um, I mean, I, I, I also just love Kyle Duvis's or Kyle Duvis's fucking aggressiveness here at the deadline as well. And, you know, the, and the O'Reilly and the, and the Achari. Um, and then there, who else did they bring in on defense? I'm sorry. I'm blanking on their moves there that they made on defense. Um, mm. Well, while you're well, thinking, they, speaking they of traded, Minnesota, they traded Sandine for. Uh, I know they moved Gustafson. Sandine. Who'd they bring in? Fuck. Gustafson. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, that, that's yeah. a good offensive defenseman. But speaking of Minnesota, Marc Andre Fleury just gave up the most dog shit fucking rebound and pushed himself out of position and gave up the easiest goal of all time to Winnipeg right after Minnesota took a 2 0 lead. Like. Guy the, just the flies soda out of crease, kicks the puck directly to fucking Logan Stanley, and just sits there vacant, flailing his glove like a fucking one of those blow up people in front of a car dealership. As this guy just pumps the puck into the net, yeah, inflatable tube man, Mark Andre Fleury over here, not looking good. Hey, you know what? That inflatable tube man's just trying to put dinner on the table for his family. Okay. Oh, I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying he's not. No, you are. Attending for him. But you. But you were criticizing him. I was criticizing He's the backbone Mark of the Andre American Fleury. economy, son of a bitch. <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury, an inflatable tube man, is not. No, that is not a compliment. Aaron, I'm just fucking with you. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I felt like Nate, Nate, Nate yeah. is definitely ran with that. We we're like, fuck it. That's the backbone. <laughs> Absolutely, of the economy, dude. Son of a bitch. That was not coordinated in the slightest, but you know what? We're all in on it. It was fucking awesome, and I'm glad we did it. Go support Break your local t-shirt. inflatable tube, man. He's Break got a family t-shirt. to feed. Break the t-shirts. <laughs> He's out here smacking his head on the fucking ground just to feed his family. At least you can do is buy the fucking car that he's waving around for. Oh, fuck. Minnesota, another goal. Are their unders years over? Oh, buddy. Aaron. Aaron's getting nervous. No, it's like they're finally able to score, dude. Holy shit. Ryan Hartman, right back at it. We got three goals in like a minute here. Anyway, dude. uh, So, you know, we talked about, I think we touched on them earlier, but the Pittsburgh Penguins, um, just kind of in trouble right now a little bit. I think Uh, so, dude. Allowing allowing nine point three rush chances against in the last five games before Tuesday's game, um, but the CBJ and the Columbus Blue Jackets scored three rush goals against them. And honestly, it was I think it, did it end up being four? Uh, I don't think the fourth one was off the rush, but like they're just bleeding chances off the rush, dude. They cannot fucking gap up at the blue line to save their lives. And the the back checkers aren't there. They're not finding that defensive structure. They're just... If you can get through the neutral zone with speed against these guys, you're fucking getting in on them for a chance. It's 
it's pretty baffling considering how good of a coach Mike Sullivan is that he hasn't been able to iron which, this thing out. Which think about it. Which think about this too. If if the playoffs started tomorrow, that means they're playing the fucking bees. Are you kidding me? The oh, bees yeah, good luck. Yeah. The bees would literally bend them over and just no spit, no lube. We're going in dry, boys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. Sorry, Pittsburgh. But that uh, was an impressive another... comeback they had to save our tank last night. So let's. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Aaron, I know you want to talk about the Isles because Casey Sezikas is making a resurgence in his career. Yeah, so Casey Sezikas has always been just a fucking dog, man. Fan favorite there. One of the best fourth-line centers in the league. He's a threat shorthanded. He's just like, he will do anything asked of him, and he has really stepped up recently because you've got Matt Barzal and John Gabriel Pajot now injured. Their center depth, thank God they traded for Bo Horvat, to be honest, because their center depth is not there right now. No. Casey Zizekas would not die last night against the Buffalo Sabres. The fucking Isles end up coming back, winning that game. Zizekas tied it up with his first goal in 21 games. And with this increased role with these guys ahead of him out of the lineup, he's averaging 17 minutes and 48 seconds of ice per game since uh, February 28th when Barzell was injured. So it big, big props to him to step up and fill those shoes. He's still got a little bit of offensive flash when he needs it, man, and he's just so fucking reliable in his own end. The perfect Islander. I, I talk a lot of shit about the Islanders, but that's a guy whose tires I'll always pump. I mean, he's been forced into a role he's, like, never played in his career. Yeah, I mean, he back when they were, like, really bad, he'd play up and down the lineup a little bit, but... He's he's always been like back when that fourth line was just popping with him and Matt Martin, it it was like and Cal Clutterbuck too. They'd throw those guys out against the other teams' yeah. top line and they produce. Oh yeah, dude. They and they'd absolutely kill you while they did it too. Yeah, for sure. I I like him a lot as a player, man. He's he's underrated. I want to go to Tyler Toffoli from a Greek to an Italian man. Uh, Tyler Toffoli is having one hell of a time right now. So Monday night against Dallas. He, you know, skates, you know, goes up ice, cuts the D in half, you know, as, as the, the play-by-play said, right down the esophagus. So that was an interesting way to phrase it. And he, he goes in, Dallas is like, oh, the, you know, Dallas on the power play last two and a half minutes. We're all thinking, oh, you know, Dallas will win this game, no problem, or it'll go to overtime. And then all of a sudden, nowhere, Toffoli takes off, tucks one home, Ottinger's just left, frozen. 5-4 win for the, you know, for the Flames. Then we go to Tuesday night. That was a wild one as well because we had an overtime goal waved off. And who had the winner in the shootout but Tyler Toffoli. So Tyler Toffoli is having himself one hell of a fucking week. Yeah, Ryan O'Reilly, dude, is... Or, sorry, Tyler Toffoli. Uh, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Tyler Toffoli... Say, kind of saving for what's going on up there, and he's in Calgary, correct? Yeah, no, that, he's yeah, he's really kind of put the flame season on his back, and we remember all his clutch playoff performances with the Kings. He's bringing that energy to Calgary right now too. He it, also Phil mentioned the play by play. The Dallas Stars play by play is one of the best fucking ones in the league. I mean, he throws shit like that out there all the time, like right down the esophagus. Like, just listen to Dallas Stars play-by-play any chance you get. This guy is the most descriptive, unconventional motherfucker you'll hear. Um, Yeah, dude, Toffoli with some big-time clutch goals. The one in Minnesota last night, though, 
I couldn't believe it even got to the shootout. He he ends up winning it for them in the shootout. Jared Spurgeon scored in overtime. And once again, we have a fucking controversial, does the player have possession of the puck or not as he crosses the line for offside review? And they end up calling Apparently it. Apparently we need to clearly define this. We're, we're getting like the fucking NFL now where yeah. we have to clearly define what is possession of a puck. Right. Now, I... This one, I think, was a little bit more cut and dry than the others we've talked about with Sillinger and McDavid, but because he he does pass the puck as he's crossing the blue line, and I think it does get released off his tape before it's completely across. But on first look, it's like he catches the puck on his stick. He kind of pushes it out ahead of him so it's on the neutral zone side of the blue line as he's skating across it. And I was just like, if they're really about to say he doesn't have possession. But then upon further review, he did release the pass, across the ice, which eventually came back to him for his score right before the puck was over the line. So it's <coughs> it's just such a gray area with this possession, though, on the blue line. It's It seems like it's reared its ugly head so many times this year. Yeah, it's just I, I don't enjoy it. I, I hate when we have to go to Toronto or when we have to put the game in ref's hands. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Phil? It's terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I hate it. I also hate what my mic is doing tonight. Um, no, uh, Tyler DeFoy is having a great week. It's bullshit. I hate, you know, the problem is it's going to be just as it going to be even more ambiguous than what is a kicking motion. It's just going to be a shit show. Any future rule. Well, we could have a rule show in the offseason because otherwise we could talk about that to the cows come home. Yeah, I just want to bring it up because that shit just happened last yeah. night. And it's like it, it it seems like it's just plagued us this year. But yeah, that that was a hell of a game though for Calgary. Calgary's really stepped up these last couple games. I I did call them out for being limp dicks, but this is what they've done all season. They'll like win a couple impressive games and then just lose some clunkers. So we'll see how they respond and if they can string some wins together because it's getting to be crunch time, man. They're they need to have a little bit of a run here if they want to get back into this playoff picture. Absolutely, absolutely, they do. Nate, I know you're very passionate about Ryan O'Reilly. Would you like to talk about him? Yeah, dude, the Ryan O'Reilly shit, man. I mean, so you get this guy in, four games, you know, or eight games played, gets you three goals, two assists, five points, already, like, immediately making an imprint on this team or making an impact on this team, and then takes a shot from Austin Matthews in the hand, um, has to get surgery on a digit, and out four weeks. Yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, I and with four weeks left, you, I mean, I don't know. You maybe get him back for a couple weeks left in the regular season. I'm just I glad mean, for him that it happened now instead of right before the playoffs. Like, at yeah. least you know he's coming back around playoff time. But, yeah, it's it's kind of a tough blow. It, the Leafs are cooking right now, though, so I, I think they'll be able to survive it. But, yeah, it's just it, – it's a tough look. It sucks. He toiled away in St. Louis, and now he gets to be on a good team, lighten it up, and he's fucking out with injury. You hate yeah. But, you know, I guess my my thought here was, you know, you could you could probably get him back with maybe one to two weeks left in the regular season. You could have him play. You could just kind of rest him, let him let that busted digit heal until the playoffs, so that way you know he's, you know – all right but then you know with tampa and the moves they've made at the deadline 
Uh, I'm guessing, you know, maybe should Toronto be worried that Tampa could overtake that second seed? And again, you know, I go back to this, that home ice advantage in the series. Not um, it's like t- they have been. Uh, I know. I, I Granted, yeah, with that. But so right now, Toronto sitting with 86, Tampa with 81. So they're five points back. Um, but just looking at home records versus aways, um, Tampa, the notable one with the notable, you know, bad away record with 15, 16, and one. So you want to be the home, you want to be that number two seed and them at the three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Tampa, they've, they've done this so many times where they'll like go through a little bit of a law in the middle of the season and then turn it back on. I'm not worried about him yet, but if this continues, man, I will be. It's I yeah, I think you're right. Performances like that is not something you see from a team that went to the cup final three years in a row. It's true. True. It it is definitely concerning if you are a Lightning fan. That is for sure. Um, I don't know. Maybe like three to one odds that Tampa comes back to get them. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I I still I don't think they're catching them. I I really don't. Put it. I put, I it, I put it more. I put it more at like eighteen to one. Yeah. Jeez. I think Christ. Toronto's got such a lead, dude, and like they're playing so well. They've loaded up. They they made way more additions to the deadline than Tampa did. The only thing that's in though is goaltending, because Matt Murray can't stay healthy, and Samsonov's like he's on when he's on, but there's nights where he's not that great either. So. We'll see. It's it's gonna be an exciting run down the stretch, that's for sure. What's uh anybody know what uh, t- Toronto's remaining schedule looks like? I was just actually about to look that up here real quick just to see what they kind of uh, what they kind of have going right now. I no, I just looked at Tampa. They don't they don't play each other at all. Okay, well that I mean that's beneficial, but I was just gonna see what they're what like Tam or what Toronto's maybe. Oh yeah, schedule it. Yeah, so they have so Saturday they're at home versus Edmonton, and then home versus Buffalo, home versus Colorado, home versus Carolina. That's a guy. at Ottawa, at Ottawa, at the Islanders, at the Panthers, at the at the Canes, at the Preds, home versus the Panthers. That's March. Dude, um, finish one out game in there from a team that's not like fighting for a playoff spot. That's that's brutal. Um, and it's kind of this uh, almost the same thing in April. They have they're at Ottawa, home versus Detroit, home versus Columbus, at Boston, home versus Montreal, at Florida, at Tampa. Oh, there's a there is a Tampa game at Tampa, and then at the Rangers. Damn, they they better keep firing, man. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Boy, if Patty Kane comes into form, that Rangers team, in that last game of the season. That could be big. It could be huge. 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 And, and huge. honestly, and honestly, that Tampa game, that that second to last game to Tampa, actually, and that uh, they go back-to-back at Florida, at Tampa, on the 10th and the 11th of April. That, yeah, I mean, yeah dude, I can't wait for that's like, what you want at the end of the year. Yeah, that's the last want. couple weeks of the season, man, we're gonna see so many fucking big matchups for like tight playoff games. I cannot wait to preview those games. It's it's gonna be a good time. I'm gonna be glued to my fucking couch. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great, Aaron. Before we sign off, did you not have a wild, uh, 
stroke of luck last night. Some fortune came your way in the betting arena. I'm going to be honest, man. I don't think luck had anything to do with it. I think it's just like oh, years, whoa. years of watching the Blue Jackets get absolutely shit pumped and falling apart and blowing leads to the Penguins. They went up 4 nothing against Pittsburgh, and I was like, okay, Pittsburgh's going to probably score now, so I can't wait any longer. Fucking hammer the pens at plus 750 when they're down 4 nothing. I had Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, both anytime goal scorers. I, dude, I made like a fucking 150 bucks off that game from the goal score props, the fucking pens money line bets. It, anytime the Penguins are down to Columbus, bet on the Penguins. The Jackets wilt into crumpled up little pieces of paper I throw in my fucking trash can every time they get a lead on the pens especially in Pittsburgh. They have not won in Pittsburgh since 2015. Bet on the Penguins every time. It's like simple. Free money. Throw all your money on. It's it, Yeah, it's the best. But I was very happy. I was happy for two reasons. First, because I made money. Second, because the Jaggers didn't pick up another point. Still in last place. Still fucking hot and bedard. Cannot wait for this draft lottery. Hot and bedard. Yeah. It's it's that's great. my that's my natural reaction whenever we use the hashtag. I just have to say it out loud because I'm an idiot. But guys, that'll just about wrap up this episode of the Barely Hockey Podcast. Nate, do you have anything for the listeners before we call it? Nah, man, it's that time of year. Good time of year to just sit down, drink beer, watch hockey. It's going to be warm out, so maybe hit some patios and watch some hockey here soon. That's and uh, right there, and of course. We're coming up on the greatest day of the year, St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's on Day. A fri- on, a Friday. on a Friday. Follow at Beerly Nate. Follow at Beerly Nate for all of your St. Patrick's Day debauchery. I don't know, man. I, I don't I live in the moment. I don't I don't post my life. But who knows? Maybe honestly, maybe I should just get a fucking uh, GoPro and live stream my shit. I should live stream my day. Good God. I, I think that would do some fucking numbers right there, bud. Um, I am going something. to say that... Nino Niederreiter with a goal here in this uh, Winnipeg game. Oh, shit. Boom. Oh, shit. I will say that everyone, if you're enjoying this episode, I know we've got a little choppy audio, so we're ironing that out. But if you enjoy our content, five-star review. Also, yep. go to the Beerly Store. Uh, it's on at Beerly Sports Instagram or Twitter. Check that out. We got merch on there. Uh, keep an eye out for my weekend preview of games to watch this weekend. We got a fuckload of implications coming up for the playoffs uh, at Beerly or sorry, BeerlySports.com for that. Should be coming out on Friday. And we've got a trade deadline recap coming out as well article. So some nice little weekend reading for you too. Enjoy the weekend reading. Aaron does a great job. I know he uh, spends a lot of time working on that. So Aaron, we appreciate that. Stick taps to you, buddy, for getting out every weekend. Guys, we will be Coming at you live on Monday, so on your drive to work after a gong show weekend on Monday, we will have an episode for you. So be on the lookout for that. Um, That'll wrap this episode up for Nate McBride and Aaron Kinney. I'm Phil Razor saying Beerly Hockey. Pairs well with Bruce. Hell of a broadcast, boys.